Ooh, man, how many, pe- how many of us are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah. So everybody said already you're in for a treat because I'm going to just warn you now, I'm not my husband. Um, I li- not that he doesn't like to have fun, but I really like to have fun. I love to laugh, um, so you're going to get a lot of that today. But most, first and foremost, though, um, we're going to learn about how powerful and amazing God is and how he meets us right where we need to be. And I love this. I love this, this series, God Le- God's Leading Ladies, because I think a lot of time in Scripture, not that it's bad, but a lot of time in Scripture, we can get so focused on the men of the Bible, which is great, obviously, you know, but God used women to do amazing things, too. And I think if we remember that, we, we, as women, we don't sit on the sidelines, but we go in and do what God shares and puts on our hearts and our souls to do. So um, right before we get started, uh, I just want to pray real quick. And um, I'm just so excited to be able to uh, share with you what's on my heart today. So Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would use, uh, would, would use today, Father, to just... Um, impart in people's lives, in their hearts, in their minds, in their souls, in their spirits, Lord, and that you would refresh them and give them a new, um, just, a, just a new anointing, a new refreshing, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I titled, if you're taking notes, um, I titled this message, Forget the Culture, because I think right now in society, we're so focused on the culture and what we, as whatever our background is, we're so focused on that. But I love this passage that I'm going to speak from today because the culture gets set aside. And I think we can all learn it. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in what society tells us we should be like or what we should do or, or who we are even that we, get, we, can, we can tend to put what God has for us and who he called us to be on the back burner and put the culture in front. And there's something, if you're taking notes, um, I just want to start off with this. Uh, we have to serve the God who changes the culture, not the culture who attempts to change God. And I think that's so important because in the society we live in today, you know, we, we're told, especially as believers, that, you know, whatever society shows you, whatever it puts in front of you, that this is what you're supposed to take. But I beg to differ because scripture, tell us, scripture tells us different. And um, there's a, we're going to start in John 4. We're going to start in John 4, verse 1. Now, I love this passage, and I can't find a way to short it, but, shorten it, but um, this, this passage is about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I love this, and we'll see this in, in, in the passage, but Jesus it was not Jews and Samaritans were not supposed to conversate, converse with each other. They weren't supposed to be in the same place with each other, let alone talk to each other. And 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 I, I chose the message because I love their dialogue. It's actually really funny how she responds to Jesus and how Jesus responds to her. So we'll start getting in it. So um, we're going to start at verse one. Uh, Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, excuse me, baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the, in the eyes of the people. I'm, I, I want to stop there for a second, because I think sometimes we fall 
into the trap of comparison. And I, I think we need to realize that we're not supposed to fall into the trap of competition when Jesus is about completion in the body. And so I think, especially as believers, you know, we get wrapped up in this, well, my church and, and, and this church. I'm going to tell you a little secret about me. And my husband knows a huge pet peeve of mine, but I can't stand when people say, oh, well, my church is the best church. It's not. <laughs> it's not the best church because God calls this big C church to be the best church. And so whether it's my, this church that you attend or the church up the street or the church down the road, it's not the best church. God's main goal is for the big C church to be the best church. And I think that's so important to, 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 to see here. Okay, we'll get back into John. So, so Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. Um, he came into Sychar, a Samaritan village, that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was still there. So Jesus, worn out by the trip, uh, sat, sat down at the well, and it was noon. And then um, we're going to John 7. A woman, a, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you like to give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman was taken aback and said, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. I love that. They wouldn't be caught dead. They were like, even if I die, I still ain't talking. Like, it ain't going to go down, you know? So they wouldn't even be caught dead with them. And Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you uh, fresh living water. And the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. How are you going to get this living water? I love that. It's in quotations. Like, she's talking to Jesus, and, and we'll see it a few times. Like, she's like, okay, so you got living Have you got? Okay, women, right? So I don't know. I do this to my husband. When we're going back and forth, like, I'm like, so what you mean you're going to do this? You know, and that's just she's talking to Jesus. Where are you going to get this living water, you know? And, and, and she's like, you, are you serious? I, you, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. So her and Jesus are going back and forth, and they're like, you know, where are you going to get this living water? And the woman said, oh, the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket. Oh, I read that. Sorry. Okay, living water. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. Excuse me, we'll get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water that I, will, I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And we see here that, you know, if I could just take a walk with me to, to, to Samaria and we can see that she's kind of intrigued by what he's saying. Like, well, hold on, what do, what do you mean that I'll never be thirsty anymore? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I think sometimes we, 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 treat, we treat Jesus like that, you know? Like he tells us something and a part of us is, is curious, but we don't really know whether to believe him or not, you know? But lucky for us, like we have a Bible that we see over and over and over and over again where he comes through. And what, his word, what he says in his word always comes to pass. And so he's, he's talking to her and they're... And they're having this dialogue and I could just see her face. She's just so confused. Like, 
Well, what do you mean this, this water? And so she says, the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. And I feel like in a way she was kind of trying him in a sense. You know, I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. And he said, go call your husband and then come back. I love this because I think sometimes when we read scripture, you know, we have to remember that Jesus is not asking or telling us things for information. You know, like he already knows, like he's not telling us, hey, you know, go get your husband like he's shocked. And sometimes I think I think that's how we live our life. Like we think if a trial comes or if we mess up, like God is going to be like to the angels, like, hey, man, did y'all see that? I know. I know he was going to do that. Like, y'all, we we need backup. He doesn't do that. He's not caught by surprise. And so her next response, like Jesus doesn't know, she's like, well, I don't have a husband, she said. And Jesus says, that's nicely put, I have no husband. He's like, oh, that's what they say, I don't got no husband, you know? So that's nicely put. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. And I think that there's three things we can learn from Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And the first thing is that salvation only comes to those who recognize their desperate need for the spiritual life they don't have. Living water can be obtained only by those who recognize that they are spiritually thirsty. And right now in our worlds, it's like, we don't need Jesus. Like, we, like, like let, let's be real. Like, some people just feel like they don't need him. Like, well, I've done this on my own. I've worked hard. I've, I've, I've owned my, earned my own money. I've gone to school. I've done this. I've done that. But the only way we'll understand and recognize that we need Jesus is that we're in desperate need for a spiritual life that we don't have. And it can only be obtained if we're spiritually thirsty. Have you ever been in that place where you're just like, God, like, I know there's more for me. And I'm living this life and I'm doing these things and nothing's really filling me up. Like, I'm trying to do my best here, you know, I'm trying to live this life and that everybody tells me I need to live or that I feel I need to live, but I'm, there's still this emptiness there. Number two, salvation comes only to those who confess and repent of their sin and desire forgiveness. Before this immoral woman could embrace the Savior, uh, she had to concede the full burden of her sins. So, you know, this, this woman here, she knows what's going on. Jesus knows. When, when, he appro- when she approaches him at the well, he knows everything about her. He knows everything. And I think sometimes, you know, I could see how this in our culture today, how this Samaritan woman, how Jesus would say this to her and she could be like, oh, you're judging me. You know, you ever heard that? Like, you judging me, you know? And we have to realize the difference between condemnation because there isn't any condemnation in Christ Jesus. And real quick, sorry, I'm going to do this to you real quick, but no, actually, I'm not. I'm not going to do that to you. Sorry, guys. No, I'm not going to do that to you. So we have to realize that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He does not condemn us. But what he does is he allows us to see our sin and understand the full burden of it and be able to recognize, hey, like, you're right. You know, like, like, like you're not condemning me, but you're giving me a, a you're, you're, you're putting it in my face to say, hey, look, 
you can, you can go beyond this. You don't have to live this life anymore. You don't have to live with these, you know, with the, with the thought of having these five husbands or, you know, our culture telling you that, that you're wrong. But yes, that was wrong, but you can turn and go forward. And the word repent means to turn and go. You turn from your sin and you go. Not looking back, turning around and not sinning anymore. And yeah, we have stumbles and we fall, but trying to do better. You know, putting the people around you that are going to help you in your walk. You know, the, I, I love in Scripture where it describes the, the body of Christ because not everybody is a hand, not everybody's a foot, not everybody's an eye, but we need all of those. You know, we need all of those. And to be together in unity is so important. And that, and yeah, go ahead. It's, it's so important to be together in unity and to recognize, hey, I need people around me holding me up because I can't do this on my own. It's, it's so important. The third thing, salvation comes only to those who take hold of Jesus as their Messiah. For the absolute truth is that salvation is found in no one else. Your emptiness, whatever, whatever, whatever you feel, hey, we've all been there. Whatever you feel, whatever emptiness that's there, only Jesus can fill that void. There's no one else that can fill that void. And, and look, I, I know, I know he's handsome. I know he look good. You know, like I know he's like smelling good and stuff. You know, I get that. You know, I know she's pretty. I know she's in shape. You know, she don't got a, she don't got a belly like me. <laughs> I, know, I know that, but she's not going to fill that void. He's not going to fill that void. I'll go deeper. Your mom and dad aren't going to fill that void. Your brother and sister aren't going to fill that void. There's no one that can fill the void but Jesus. He's the only one. And uh, you don't have to, you don't have to um, turn here, but you could just jot this down. Romans 6, 1 through 3, it says this. Um, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep forgiving. I sure hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went underwater, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life and a new land. And... I think this is so important, especially because of the woman at the well. I think sometimes that we can get caught up in our sin. We can get caught up in things that we've done in the past, you know. And sometimes the enemy will remind you of that, you know. Here's the thing. You can't teach. I always think about this, the enemy. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know. That's how the enemy works. Because he's not going to use anything against you that that doesn't influence you. He's always, gonna, he's always going to use the thing that he's been using for years. He's never going to use the thing that, doesn't even, that won't even turn your eye. You know, some of us, um, you know, so, some people are, you know, don't even care about money. The enemy's not going to dangle money in front of your face because he knows that doesn't get to you. Oh, but what gets to you? That family member, right, that keeps getting on your nerves, they won't leave you alone. Right? We all have them. Don't act like we don't, y'all. We all got them, right? That person, right, that keeps coming in, 
that thought of how are they doing, what are they doing, the enemy will use that to get to you. And I, we have to remember, like in the scripture in Romans, if we've left the country, the, if we left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? And the scripture says to take your thoughts captive. When those thoughts come in, you say, uh-uh, no, not today. We ain't doing it today. We not up in here, we ain't. And sometimes you just got to be real with that. We're going to jump back into John. And so we, we, where we left off was they're going back and forth. Jesus calls her out. He says, you've had five husbands. And then she said, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, then tell me this, right? Because I, I just love, they just go back and forth. And sometimes we got to get real with Jesus. You know, sometimes we got to be with Jesus like that. He's expecting us to be. And I think we feel like, you know, we have to come. You ever hear that? People say, well, I'll come to church. You know, I just got to, I just got to get my act together first. I got to clean myself up. You can't clean yourself up. That's why you need to get in church. That's why you need Jesus, because you can't clean yourself up. You can't do it. And so she says, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. That's how I see her. She like doing the hand. I talk with my hands, so I just picture her like talking with her hands too, you know. And then she says, our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? And then he says, believe me, woman. I'm like, okay, Jesus, we squaring up. What's up? You call me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at, the, at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark, and we Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But, this time, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. It's who you, I, I love that. This is why I chose the message version because I, I love how Jesus is talking to her and he's like, everything that the world tells you that matters in church, you know, all that stuff that, that, that you think matters, it doesn't matter. God's not looking how you perform in church. He wants to see you behind closed doors. He wants to see your heart. He doesn't care. Look, look, I know Sunday is a, Sunday's a great day to come up, right? You dress nice, right? All that stuff. But, but God doesn't look at the outward. Like he said, David, he looks at the heart. You know, he looks at the heart. He sees our mess. He sees that stuff. And I think sometimes we try to hide it from God. Like he doesn't see it. And that's why I love this, this conversation between him and the Samaritan woman because she's so real with him. And she's throwing up these quotes at him and, you know, kind of getting, getting a little smart with him. But Jesus, we, we see that it doesn't scare him away. Like none of that disgusting, nasty stuff that we think, it, none of that stuff scares him away. And he, he looks at our heart. And then he says... Your worship must engage your spirit in this, excuse me, in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. I love that. Those who are simply and honest, uh, honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being it. Be, excuse me. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits their true selves in adoration, their true selves. 
Not the self that, that, that we can sometimes put in front of people, but the self that we are in our heart, who we really are. You know, my, I always laugh because my husband and I, we're so competitive. Like, I shouldn't say we, I, I'm, I'm competitive. <laughs> and so we, uh, we don't play basketball together um, because it gets a little, it gets ugly, you know? And so it's so funny because we'll trash talk, you know, like the, um, our, his birthday and our wedding anniversary is May 3rd, so we got married on his birthday. And on his birthday, we went to Top Golf. And um, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to tell you, but I, I beat him, right? <laughs> At seven months pregnant and everything. I don't, don't want to say that. But since we're here, I'll let y'all know you can see me in Top Golf. You know what I'm saying? But so, so we're playing, and I post this picture of him online. And it's so funny because someone said to me, like, do you think that's going to hurt his feelings? And I'm like, do you think I care? You know? No, I'm just kidding. But we have this thing where it's like that's one part of our marriage that it doesn't bother us. Like, we know we're competitive. We know that's how we are. And so I put it up to see because he knows I'm going to do He does it too. Don't let him fool you. He, if he beat me, I would have had a picture up on Facebook with, with him talking about I beat my wife, you know. And they're like, she's pregnant. It's different when you're the woman beating them, you know. But you, you, no matter what, you remain yourself. You be who you are. And that's, that's the point I'm getting at. You be you. God loves you the way you are. He's not looking. God, listen, God made you to be an original, not a copy. And we can get so focused to try to be like something else or someone else. Like, I know I'm not your average, typical pastor's wife. I'm not. I'm just not. And if that's what you're looking for, I'm sorry, guys, but it's not me. <laughs> but we, you know, my husband and I, we can joke and we can have fun. And I'm going to be like that regardless of where we are, who we are. And I use that to, to be funny, but this is what Jesus is saying, too, about us. Like, you have to be your true self. Obviously, in him, and I think sometimes we think that we have to be this person because now we're believers. And yes, you change things, of course, and, and we worship God and we give him praise and, and, you know, we live our lives righteously, but he still made you to be you. He still made you to be who you are. And then the woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And Jesus says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, his disciples came back, and they were shocked. Remember, because they're not supposed to be talking to each other. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. And no one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her, excuse me, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come and see a man who knew all the things that I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. And see, I love the woman at the well because it's, it's God uses her immediately after he calls out her sin. Immediately. Because what she's doing here is she's evangelizing. She's saying, look, guys, this is 
who I saw at the well. This man, he knew everything about me. Do we think that this is Jesus? And then they respond. They go out and they went to see for themselves. And then, and then excuse me, we're going to skip down to John 4, 39, 42. And then many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things, she, excuse me, he knew all about the things I did. This is her talking again. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on excuse me, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure he is the savior of the world. And this is what I want you to know. Our testimony about Jesus is a powerful tool leading others to believe in him. It's our personal encounter with Jesus. Our personal encounter. You know, have you ever been to court? I don't know, I've been to court. Not, don't judge me, okay? (laughs) I've been to court a couple times, not by my own account, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, the witness is the most important part of the court. It's the most important part of the testimony because especially the eyewitness, because of what they saw. You know, we we can look at different um, court cases. I watch a lot of them on Netflix, but we can look at different court cases where a person is... They're guilty, whether they're guilty or non-guilty, and the jury believes them because of an eyewitness, because of what the person saw. And I think, I know, because we see it in Scripture repeatedly, especially with this woman who had been in this sin and who was, you know, kind of living her own life just about her daily day, just going to get water, just doing her thing, not, you know, what she always does. And she encounters, she encounters the life changer. She encounters the miracle worker. She encounters Jesus firsthand. And then she goes back. She goes back to her village and says, look, y'all, I think, I think this is Jesus. I think I, I, just, I just met the Messiah. And they're like, we got to see for ourselves. But at the end of the day, they went and saw because of her testimony. Look, Men, women, whoever, everybody, God has, you didn't go through what you went through just to go through it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't become, you didn't, you didn't become who you are just to be who you are. Look, God put something in you and he wants to use you to be able to be a witness of him, of his truth, of his glory, of his light. He wants you to be a witness to that because I don't know about you guys. I'll share a little bit of my story. So you guys know, a lot of people know that um, when I was a teenager, I was going to the military and I ended up having an abortion. And when I was in the military, when I was going to the abortion clinic, um, this lady came up to me. She was one of the picketers and she says to me, you know, you know, Please, please don't do this. She's pleading with me, pleading with me. And then she says to me, I knew a girl once who did this. I knew a girl once. And it didn't strike anything with me, but the thing I remembered was that she wasn't that girl. I'll never forget it. And I always wondered if that girl was in front of me, would I have changed my mind? 
But because she didn't understand what I was going through, I still made the decision that I did. And God didn't take you, 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 you didn't get through things or go through things or anything like that just to, just to go through them. You know what I mean? God is going to place someone in your path that knows it, that you know exactly what they're going through. You know exactly the life that they've lived. You're like, listen, I've been there. Look, I can't, I can sit here and I can go over this Bible with you, but only thing I can tell you is how Jesus changed my life. That's the only thing I can do. And I'm not saying this to brag, but because of that, God has used my testimony to, to, to stop other women from having abortions. And I'm not saying that, I'm saying that to encourage you because God, that's how God uses me in that area. But I mean, think of the things that he wants to use you for. Think of all the things that maybe you've struggled or you've gone through. And look, nothing's too sm- look nothing is too small or too big to God, for God to you that he can't use you to change someone else's life because of your witness, because you saw his goodness firsthand. Yeah, it's one thing to go into scripture, and obviously that's, that's great. Those things are, are good. Obviously, we live our life by the scripture, but the, it's the eyewitness testimony of the woman at the well, and she went and evangelized, and he stayed. Jesus ended up staying longer because people came to him because of her testimony. It's so good. It's so good. Look, can you all stand with me for a second? We're going to wrap this thing up. Um, before we get into it, I just want to make a note that it is 11 o'clock. And uh, somebody owes me $20. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. But I just want us to close our eyes for a second. I just want us to just, for a minute, just to sit here and, and just reflect for a second, you know? If you come in here today, there's two people I want to talk to. If you come in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, look, I'm going to tell you something. He's, the, the, the scripture says that though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Th- though it's dirty and unclean, I will wipe it clean and I will make it like it never even happened. And if, if anybody is going to forget what I've ever done, I want it to be Jesus. And if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, look, I, I, I'm not here to, 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 to beg you. I'm not here to, to bargain with you. All I can tell you this is what he's done in my life. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be on this platform today. I'm supposed to be, statistically, I'm supposed to be in jail. I'm supposed to be in prison somewhere. I'm not supposed to be here. But I can tell you one thing. My encounter with Jesus changed everything for me. Did I have a hard time still? Of course. Yeah, did I, have, did I have bad moments still? Absolutely. But I would not be who I am today had it not been for my encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so if that's you, look, no, one, no one's looking around, no one sees you. No one, no, one even, no one even knows you raise your hand. But if that's you, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to count to three and snap my fingers, and when I do that, I just want you to raise your hand, and, and I want you to know this, that even though we can't see, heaven's throwing a party. They're shouting. Scripture says that they, they, when the name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
all of heaven shout, all of heaven. And so real quick, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just count to three and snap my finger, and I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. You just raise your hand. No one's looking around. I'm not even looking around. It's just between you and God, between you and him. Between you and him. And there's, there's a second group I want to talk to. I want to talk to the people that have maybe felt like their sin was just way too much. Like, God, how can you use me? How can you, how can you use me? And I want you to know, too, that when he died on the cross, he said, he, he, when he died on the cross, he meant, and then like Scripture says, though your sins were like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And we can't be worried about what, what people say, what culture says. We have to forget the culture. We can't be worried about what your family's going to think or so-and-so's going to think. We have to forget all that. And if that's you, I don't even want you to raise your hand if you're comfortable. I want you to come up and just pray with these people. We have prayer partners in front. But I want you to just come up. You don't even have to tell them, you know. But if you feel like God has put something in you and he's going to use you, I want you to know that he wants to use you no matter what happen. He wants to use you. And if that's you, I want you to come up and I want you to pray with these people. I want you to just take a step of faith and boldly just come forth. And I promise you, I promise you, God wants to use you. He, he doesn't need us. He wants us. And I just want to pray for us before we leave out today. Lord, we just thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for this day because, Lord, I just feel in my spirit that there's people in here that something unlocked in them today. Something, something is coming forth in them today, Lord. And we know you're going to use them, Father, to glorify you, not for man, not for anybody else, Father, but you. And I pray for every single person in this room, everyone that can hear my voice, Lord. I pray that you would start to start to speak to them, Father. Start to put start start to put these 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 um, desires in them, Lord, for you, Lord, that they would, Lord, that they wouldn't be ashamed of who who they are, of who they've been, Father. But from this day forward, that you would use them for your glory and your name's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for this amazing woman of God who brought one of the clearest salvation messages I've ever heard in my life. And we're going to pray you out. Um, and, and I'm just I'm, I'm feasting on what God said today and excited about the fact that he would take this woman and just have an intimate encounter with her that changed her life forever. And I believe he's done that with those who are in here today. So we're going to bless you as you go, pray you out, and you might be here also desiring to be baptized, or you just need to, that's the step of obedience you need to take based on what you heard today. There's a tub out there, and there's towels out there. That's all you need, and you'll be okay. Can we say amen? <laughs> amen. Lift your hands, and let's pray 
Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word brought by Pastor Jessica today with power. It came with power. It came with authority. It came with clarity and the call that you gave us through her to repent. And Lord, that word means to return to you and return to the top. So I declare that over your people today, that as they repent, they've, they've returned back to the top of everything that you have for them. And as they leave this week, Lord, that they would leave walking in the blessing and favor of Almighty God, that you protect them as they travel the rest of this weekend, that they know that they're leaving with the favor and the blessing of God upon their life. Where it's in Jesus' strong name we pray. And let's celebrate Jesus today with a big hand clap of praise as we say amen. God bless you. Make sure I get to shake your hand outside. Have a great week.